Well, Mercy now leads to the abortion clinics, the abortion facilities. Why? Because we've unmoored words, logic, and language, thoughts, and ideas from beauty, truth, goodness, and justice. Hey, my friends, do you want to see something amazing? Not very often do we get to see someone on the other side. Imagine someone who is performing abortions, then becoming someone who's pro-life. We've heard of that before. Dr. Nathanson, everybody knows. But what about getting to meet one up close and personal? What about one who was raised in a good Catholic home? Polish, no less, left it, became an abortionist, but then came back. That's what we've got for you today. We've got Dr. John Brukowski with us, and his story is awesome. You're going to want to stay tuned because this is a stunning story of redemption from one end of the spectrum to another. It's a story of hope and a story of the incredible power of parents' prayers. This is the John Henry Weston Show. Stay tuned. Hello, dear LifeSite viewers. We are living in a moment of truth. Each day, we encounter the evils of the woke agenda, especially during this month of June, as the woke corporations, they continue to infiltrate our homes via the media. Now, this month, the mainstream media works over time to spread false teaching and make a mockery of traditional families and the Christian values we hold most dear. But look around. Look at the pushback against Bud Light and Target. People are finally starting to wake up and they're actually looking. They're looking for the clarity and answers. So this is our moment to give the world what they need so desperately, the truth we have a golden opportunity right now. There's a surge of interest and we need to jump on it to give the public the truth on life, faith, family, and freedom that they so desperately need. But you know what? We can't do that without you. We are in the midst of a quarterly summer fundraising campaign and we are in need of your support, both prayerful and financial. We must raise a minimum of 500000 before June 30th. So please donate at the link in the description below and be on the lookout as LifeSite will be on the road during this month of June, heading to Los Angeles, to Chicago, to Washington, D.C., all to shed the light of truth during this critical time. Thank you so much for your prayers and for your support and your dedication. Let's take advantage of this moment and by the grace of God, may our efforts serve him and his truth. And may that bear much fruit. For LifeSite News, this is John Henry Weston. May God bless you. Dr. John Brukowski, welcome to the program. Oh, it's good to be with you, John Henry. Let's begin as we always do with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. So, a lot of people want to hear your story because it's such a unique story. Who moves from one end of the spectrum to another, particularly in this field, which is so... You, you've come from a place of, on the opposite side, but engaging in the very thing right now that you're fighting. You're saving lives and you were ending them before. Take us through that from the beginning, uh, if you can. Tell us where you started out. Sure. Um, I started out in a great Catholic, pro-life, pro-anti-communist, Polish family in northern New Jersey. I was the oldest of three. Dad was a high school school teacher teaching civics and Latin and religion. What makes men good Christians makes them good citizens. Daniel Webster was over his blackboard. And my parents gave me by example, praying the rosary every morning before school, being an altar boy, um, going to the march for life. <laughs> I was, wow. shooting I was shooting baskets 
um, on that January day when Roe passed, my dad drove in with his Volkswagen and said, Johnny, it's Black Monday. I remember it. And I didn't quite understand what was the issue. They just legalized, he said, the murdering of babies inside the wombs of their mother. I think I was 12. Um, I'm not sure I really realized what that meant. But as you know, my life went as the Lord would have it. Um, I drifted uh, from a God-fearer to a man and woman pleaser, meaning my friends and my education was, you know, I'm 62, John Henry. I grew, you know, this was in 19, the early the 70s and early 80s. And I faced and I consented to all the relativization of what excellent Catholic healthcare was and could be. And so slowly but surely, not in one big chunk, but slowly I became a questioner and then a dissenter for most of Catholic ethics, whether it was in high school through the Salesians or through the Jesuits in college. It was situational ethics. It was relativism. You weigh the goods and bads. You ask God for enlightenment, but that's about it because conscience is king. And so therefore you make proclamations. And I just turned God into what I wanted him to be, obviously. And uh, I ended up, uh, wanting to liberate women from the chains of their fertility. Can you imagine? And it was so captivating that I had a knack for listening to my female friends. They would talk about being used or needing to empower themselves. And I just bought it hook, line, and sinker. So when deciding what to do, I thought I initially wanted to be a, uh, an agent of uh, some alphabet agency uh, early on, but no, I wanted to become a physician because actually an OBGYN, because I had a knack for listening to women's problems and going through college and then getting into medical school at the University of South Alabama, I was not a radical ideologue, but I bought the lie that abortion was good for women, contraception was needed, and abortion was needed as for failed contraception, and you would sterilize yourself after your two children because that would eliminate that problem. And oh, by the way, we can build embryos like we build loaves of bread. They're really your property. They're not really full humans equal to what I would consider conscious adults, the whole line. And uh, slowly but surely, they start off with, oh, you just write this prescription, you do this in the clinic, you put in this IUD. But then someone asked me, a great teacher, mentor of mine said, do you wanna do an abortion? I said, you know, he goes, I know your background. I said, well, I wanna be the best gynecologist I can be. Being Polish, I wanted to be the best. I had to prove myself because I didn't want to dump it on somebody else. It was too common to hear silence from the church back then, silence from my doctors who I tried to ask questions of abortion. And lo and behold, you start off with the little ones where there's no bones and you do the procedure, the DNC, and it comes out in a mass of blood and tissue. There's no bones, you don't see anything. Well, that wasn't that bad. And then as you get more and more acclimated, they then, through your residency, because I went to the Eastern Virginia School of Medicine, the home of the Jones Institute, where the first US test tube baby was made in 1981, Elizabeth Carr, they were a contraceptive research and development center. 
Hmm. Now, they didn't push abortion, but it was available if you wanted to learn. Well, you started doing elective abortions on 10, 11, 12, 13 weekers where there's bones now, calcium is depositing, and you have to count body parts after you do the DNC. But since we didn't do elective abortions a lot, we did do eugenic abortions. A child is sick in the womb of its mother. So the way you do that is mercy. As Flannery O'Connor says, Flannery, you know, mercy leads what? To the gas chamber. That was the 1940s. Well, mercy now leads to the abortion clinics, the abortion facilities. Why? Because we've unmoored words, logic, and language thoughts and ideas from beauty, truth, goodness, and justice. Once you have that, might makes right. There is no God, or there may be a God, but he's kind of a deist. He's kind of let us alone, watchmaker, you know, all that. And you find yourself truly in the slum. So can you Hmm. imagine, here I was growing up in a good family, I even told my parents, John Henry, guys, you're wrong. I'm doing abortions because it's good medicine. Get over it. Can you do imagine? You, do you mind? I, yeah, unfortunately I can't imagine because I, um, I sort of been there, done that. I was raised by a saint of a dad. Let me ask you this. What, in your recollection, as you were going through this metamorphosis from a good home, from a good father. What do you recall of the first sort of movies? I know you described you were at Catholic schools uh, and it was relativism, but do you remember a time when you thought to yourself, hmm, this is probably wrong, but I'm going to go for it anyway? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, One of the guys on our baseball team in high school, got a woman, got a girl pregnant. And out of wedlock, it was one of those moments that I knew that was not healthy, not good. But since he was my shortstop or my center fielder, You know, God is merciful. God is love. Meet him where he is. Whatever he needs. It was that first cognitive dissonance. It was that first wave. A guy my age admitted several difficult things in the locker room of a baseball, on a baseball field. And it was the first chink in that constant. Now, my parents thought they were sending me to these good schools that they would reinforce Mm. their Polish culture. They expected that. Mm -hmm. No, it wasn't. It was actually, it became watered down. And that was the first, and that's what just started. You know, you get used to something, just like in my you know, uh, doing the abortions. It was very slow at first. You do the little ones. Oh, that's it. Well, then you ask to do bigger ones and then you don't want to disappoint your mentors and get bad recommendations. The pressure of being canceled back then wasn't called canceled. It was, you know, you're just not cut out for this, John. I can't argue with any faith issues, but you're not cut out. But so here I was slowly. So here I am in my residency. Believe it or not, I'm driving. I'm near. I'm in Virginia Beach, Norfolk, Virginia. I'm driving to the beach and I see a pregnancy center run by the Assembly of God Church. Didn't know what it was. Walked in. They're praying to Jesus, saying, Lord, whoever comes to this room, help let us help them get through this difficult time, this unwanted child. Let's help them welcome this child into their family. I never, I was fascinated because I thought it was, wow, this is the other side of the coin. I could do this. I could do both. 
because it's really up, you know, we're all about patient autonomy. If the woman wants it, we do one thing. If the woman doesn't want it, I mean the baby, we do another because whatever she wants is part of justice, maleficence, beneficence, the pillars, the new pillars of bioethics. So here I am doing that at night and during the daytimes, doing abortions as just part of the natural course of the day. Can you imagine cognitive dissonance splitting the schizophrenia where often the Lord has to lead you in order to break you because wow. you have to wake up in the slop, so to speak. And that's what happened to me. One night, I'm in one room saving the life of a 23-week infant inside its mother. The mother wanted it. The child was welcome. She was in early labor. And I was doing everything in my power to help keep that child inside mom so it would have a better, healthier outcome. Medicine, Trendelenburg, gravity, conversation, soothing conversation. It's okay, Jane, we're gonna make it. In the very next room, at the same gestational age, the mom didn't want it, never wanted, never went to a doctor, went into labor, came into the labor and delivery, got on my schedule, so separated by a wall was the same case. Mother chose not to want it. I didn't want it. The hospital didn't want it. So I broke water, gave her medicine, and aborted her child. The baby came out alive. So it was a failed abortion. Hmm. I initially thought about just covering it with a cloth, a towel, to suffocate it, because I didn't want to hurt the mother. Remember, it's, remember, abortion's merciful. And I don't want to help her see that what she did was inhuman because there's crying, there's noise making. But rather than doing that, I was taught pretty well. I picked up this fetus by the head, but it weighed a little bit. It felt heavy. So I threw it on a scale and it was five grams over 500 grams. In the state of Virginia, you have to call the neonatal intensive care unit to resuscitate that delivery. So there I am, saving a baby in one room, aborted a baby in the very next room, and I didn't do a good history and physical, John Henry. The baby was older than I thought. And there I was calling in the NICU doctors and thank God I did. In walked Dr. Debbie Plum at the time. She looked at me, looked at what was happening, and she says, hey, stop treating my patients as tumors. I have to care for these children. You didn't monitor. And oh, by the way, come see me for coffee tomorrow morning. Hmm. Can you imagine? I'm like, what? Here I am taking care of the bleeding, making sure my patient, the woman, because remember, I didn't treat two patients in that case. So the book that I wrote through Ignatius Press is called Two Patients. Why? It's about the intimate connection between mother and her unborn child. That connection through the placenta that is intimate and complex. It's where the family is created. It's where mothers and fathers and family happen in that womb, in that uterus. And it's us OBGYNs who care for both patients. So here I am struggling. She keeps her end of the bargain. I keep my end. I go see her that morning. She goes, John, you're better than this. <laughs> hmm. You are so much better than this. You know, you told me in the past that you were once Catholic. I have to tell you, you have a knack for women's health. You listen. You're ingenious. They line up in lines for you. You're good at PMS. You're good at endometriosis. We talk about it. I want you to know that you're an excellent obstetrician. But regarding abortion, you need to rethink this. Those are my patients, and you're treating them like tumors. And that makes no scientific sense. Oh. By the way, I just got back from a pilgrimage that I went with Steubenville University to a Marian site in Yugoslavia. I think you need to go. 
I said, listen, that was for my younger days, Fatima Lords, yeah, Guadalupe. Yeah, I even heard at Guadalupe, why are you hurting me? But I was drinking for lunch. I had some beers. It wasn't anything. Two days later, my mother calls and says, hey, John, uh, what are you doing for winter break? It's 1989. Do you want to go to Yugoslavia with me and see your favorite city, Dubrovnik? Hmm. Well, I can't, you, I can't turn back on my mom. So I went with her. We ended up on a hill in Yugoslavia, Medjugorje. And it was there in prayer, not wanting to, you know, with my Bible, going to or beginning to go to a evangelical church. In my prayer, I had an engagement with the sacred and immaculate hearts. She helped me touch the sacred, beating, merciful heart of her son. It's in my prayer. It's in my prayer only. I fell face down because I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm not worthy. I see my whole body covered in the scales of leprosy, a case that I took care of once in my medical school, leprosy from a woman from Vietnam. But I saw my body covered in sores. And she helped me up. And touching the heart, scales came off my eyes. The scales on my skin fell off in my prayer. And she said, Johnny, do you want to help renew the face of the earth in medicine with my son in prayer? Practice excellent medicine. See the underserved along, alongside the served. So see the underserved alongside the served. And three follow the teachings of my son's church in scripture and tradition, especially in medicine. And oh, by the way, when you walk off the hill, go show yourself to a priest. Mm. Mm. So here I am, afraid, shaking, but somehow beginning to have peace, knowing that I'm loved for the first time in my life through my prayer on that hill with my mother, both earthly mother and heavenly mother. Hmm. And there I go to confession behind the St. James Church, if I remember correctly. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been, I don't know, over 10 years since my last confession. Right. Last week, I chose to dismember a two-pound infant. And then it just came out. And I cried and I cried and I cried. And I was forgiven. Hmm. So I came back to the Catholic faith at that moment. <laughs> came back, told my fellow residents that I can't abort, I can't sterilize, I've seen the light, it all makes sense, you know, that there is a way to do life-affirming medicine, but I haven't seen it yet, but I know it's out there. So I come mm -hmm. home, and over time, my wife and I start Tepiac Family Center, OBGYN, out of our basement, doing just that. We were a for-profit, we then said, you know what, we're just going to take our margin and put it back in and see all the pregnancy center kids that we can find. Mother Teresa said, oh, Johnny, bring Calcutta to Fairfax, the DMV, so to speak. And everything at that moment became not easier by any stretch. But you had to learn to trust financially, spiritually, anthropologically, socially, medically. You had to trust the integration of faith and reason, body and soul, mother and virgin, all the paradoxes of the faith. And that's mm -hmm. a painful issue, but it's also very worth it because the glory to come and the fact of being loved by Abba, Adonai, 
is beyond description. And it's that that generated Tepiak OBGYN. Yes, we did a perinatal hospice. Rather than end the life and shorten the time that a mom has with her sick child in utero, no, become a perinatal hospice. Give her time with her child because that's the only time she may have. That's how sick these children are. No, don't provide class one carcinogens to prevent pregnancy and all the side effects that goes along with that. Use fertility awareness-based methods, NFP back then. Teach them the language of their body. Don't disrupt fertility because it's healthy. Why would you disrupt something healthy? It's list went on and on. And it, the whole package fit. We now call it life-affirming medicine. And because of the economics and every single accountant who ever looked at us said, hey, you got to stop seeing the poor, John, you know, or the far, far, you know, one side. Oh, you can't see, you can't do social justice. You can't see the underserved. But wait a second, we can do both. Gospel of life is the foundation for social action because it's prayer that's at the foundation of both. It's the prayer every day that, it, that fills our medicine, not to make it less scientific, but to see how the two integrate. We never pit mom against baby. We don't ever kill the baby to save the mom. You care for both. The technology over the last 50 years, as the, as the other side tries to confuse miscarriage ectopics, with abortion, no, you continually speak and act. No, 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 we don't do that. We always treat disease. We never treat patients with the disease. We always target the disease. We don't get rid of patients through euthanasia, whether they're babies or old people. You always treat the disease. Our technology, our pain management, our science, has improved five decades alongside Roe, alongside abortion on demand, and even after birth now. The world's gone crazy, it seems, and yet this methodology, we've now become a not-for-profit at Tepiac. Divine Mercy Care is the overarching umbrella where we actually help raise funds to cover the Delta to provide a decent wage for our, you know, 20 plus staff. But we also beg for alms. I wanna say we're almost like the last alms house in America. Alms are good for the soul, individually and in community. It's the opposite of communism and socialism because it's done for the glory of God, the way he designed medicine. Medicine's an act of mercy, we call it. We talk about health is relational. We talk about medicine is an act of mercy, like housing the homeless, clothing the naked, visiting the sick, instructing the ignorant, counseling the doubtful, burying the dead. You become a part of the families in your community. You suffer when they suffer. You are happy when they are happy. It's always both and. And then finally, by hating the disease, but loving the patient. And by the way, when we've gone across the country to 60 medical schools, we usually get applause for some of these lines hmm. because they've never heard this before. And when you, you choose your words carefully, you can use diversity, equity, ecology, and show the other who may criticize you that there is a way to do that even better than they're doing, more inclusive, more open, more truthful, more beautiful, more good. And mm -hmm. uh, that's what's happened over the last 30 plus years of at Tepiak OBGYN, which is, that's what it's now called, and Divine Mercy Care. 
but it also and just came so everyone knows where where are you located we're in fairfax virginia fairfax, um virginia. we've been in the dmv or the you know district maryland and virginia area um for since 1994. Uh, i worked at another practice in silver spring maryland uh, in 91 and 92 and 93. Um, they were excellent but they just didn't go far enough and i knew what the mother had said in my prayer and i also realized that when i went home my wife was getting impatient with me living the life living the the promises that came in our prayer and so um yeah it's been uh, it's been good so I have a number of questions for you if, if you don't mind i'm going to take you back a ways one of the things that is stunning because it it matches up so closely with my life your parents let's go back to just before your conversion your relationship with your dad how did that play out when your dad saw you going into abortion, when he saw your conversion. Tell us about that. Hello, friends. To celebrate the momentous overturning of Roe v. Wade, we at LifeSite have minted just under 10,000 of these brand new limited edition pro-life silver rounds. Now, each round is stamped with the image of the Supreme Court of the United States featuring the date that the High Court delivered this historic victory. And on the front of our pure silver rounds, LifeSite's logo surrounded by a brilliant sunburst and draped with olive branches. They, of course, commemorate our 25-year anniversary of LifeSite News. We began in 1997 in September, so September of 2022 was 25 years. These one ounce silver rounds are available from our partners at stjosephspartners.com where you can fulfill all of your silver and gold needs in this perilous time. May God bless you. So when I finally told my parents, because remember, I'm a, um, you know, I, I, I am not forthright often times in my past. And I hesitated to tell my parents until I couldn't hold it back any longer. The, the duty that I had to inform them of my actions, I remember both my mom and dad's eyes well, you know, eyes welled up with tears. And they didn't argue. They just said nothing. They said, we will continue to pray for you. And I can tell you, walking down that hill, my mother was in the little home in our second floor or third floor bedroom waiting for me because she couldn't walk very much. But when I told them prior to this that I was doing terminate, that I was doing abortions, they just looked at me with these sad, sad eyes and said, we will always pray for you, for you are always our son. We don't agree at all, but we will never stop praying because the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, as good Polish people know, divine mercy knows no bounds or limits. Um, and so, um, I came down the hill after my experience in my prayer, and I knew deep in my heart that it was the rosaries and the prayer of my mom and dad and all the people they may have mentioned it to, I never knew. Intercessory prayer, John Henry, is real, and it's the only way for us to lean into the wounds of Jesus Christ from the cross and live a redeemed life. We can't do it on our own. We have to be seeking his love and mercy. We have to be seekers, as Pete Kreeft would say. Seekers. And we have to pray, think, and then act. It's part of that mantra, pray, trust, and don't worry. Pray, think, and act. Benedict. Or Benedictine spirituality. You've got to live it. 
And when I told my mom that night, hey, or that afternoon, uh, mom, uh, your prayers worked. I will never do another abortion again. In fact, I will do my utmost to make abortion unwanted and children welcomed. I treated children as sexually transmitted disease, John Henry. The least, what Matthew 25 is all about, I tore it up. And yet, God's mercy is incredible. Recently, because of the book, and I have to keep talking, telling this story, I've gone back to, um, I've gone and uh, started Unbound, that ministry in the Catholic tradition, for myself. I used to do it in the office for my patients. And even though the mercy of Jesus has, I, I don't feel shame, but the memories, where you were, the visualizations, the auditory hearings were coming back because I'm post-traumatized. I'm a wounded healer, and I am grateful for that because Jesus came back for the sick, not the well. And when you, you know, get praise for Tepiac and Divine Mercy Care, and you've gone to medical schools, and you, you know, you're part of so many boards, and you no, I'm just like everybody else. I'm the poster child for the walking wounded from the sexual revolution of the 60s and 70s. And I just happen to have a, a profession that is, that is medical. So I have a special outreach to other doctors and young students and nurses and nurse practitioners and anybody in healthcare who wants to know about a better way or they think something's wrong with what they're doing. I want them to contact us, whether it's at tepiacobgyn.com or divinemercycare, all one word, .org. No, this is a time of post-row. We have to be witnessing more, deeper. We need to be not afraid of the questions. But we also need to be living it because when words and logic fall by the wayside, John Henry, just like you in this program, you have to witness truth. You have to witness love and mercy and firm, you know, firm love. And you do it in ways that is uh, conversational, not condemning. Your experience on the other side must have also enabled you to speak to women in a convincing fashion about what they would experience going the other way. Tell us about one of those, if, if you're able to. Sure. Um, it's very common that the data, so right around the time of my change of heart, my transformation in Christ, as some famous theologians would have called it, you do the little things well with love. And so one of the ways is that we open our doors to pregnancy centers, and they send in their abortion-vulnerable patients, clients. Well, we are a medical practice. We're not, you know, we, we believe in cooperative, collaborative complete women's health care, much more than just anti-abortion. And yet when that woman comes there, I can speak from experience because at my change of heart, not only did I have this religious or spiritual awakening, but I also, it came alongside of a adult, academic, educated, brilliant physician witnessing to me, but I was already beginning to read abortion and breast cancer, abortion and preterm birth, abortion and mental illness. And so when I talk about, listen, you can go ahead with the abortion. We will always welcome you back here. But I promise you, it will change you for the rest of your life. 
It happens differently to different people, but the data is clear on those three areas. Long-term problems, because in the short term, you're gonna say, I had to do it, I had no choice, which is bizarre that it's a pro-choice ideology, but at this point, women are being used <laughs> and abused and trafficked and all the other words we use there's even now some feminists coming out against the pill because of the dumping of toxic chemicals into their body that they then urinate out into the environment, which then pollutes our water systems. That's coming to be. I suffered testicular cancer in the Hudson River Valley of North Jersey, probably from my childhood. Some doctors were talking about the type of cancer I had could have come from high parts per billion of the estrogens, of the synthetic estrogens. However, we would say to them, these are, these are the, this is what happens and this is what's happened to me. Now, you may not believe it because in the short term, you're gonna say, I have to do it. I was forced, I didn't have a choice. I get it, that's what I thought. But I can help you through the pregnancy center group. I can find you a, angel, a mentor, someone who will walk with you alongside us through this pregnancy. And you can become the woman you've always thought about by delivering this baby. But if you can't do it, these are what you can expect. And we are here for you, no judgment. And that's the key. We welcome them back to our office. And we keep accompanying them through this walk. And yes, there are people in our office, uh, a young dancer from one of the local towns here in Northern Virginia, I believe Manassas or thereabouts. She was a stripper. She was a pole dancer. One of her Johns knocked her up, but he fell in love with her. She didn't want to marry him. She wanted an abortion. Somehow God's grace touched her. She kept the baby. She goes through this process with this John. Three or four years, maybe five years later, I see the same interesting neck tattoo walking down the hall. But now she has two children in, their, in her hands and she just came back for her third pregnancy. I run down the hall, I go, Jane. She turns. I say, oh my God, it's good to see you. My God, look at you the nose rings and some of the accoutrements were gone. She says, guess what? I married him. We're going to church. Oh. We are family. Now this doesn't happen all the time, but I can tell you, Jesus Christ can do anything, which includes moving mountains. And we can do things far greater than Christ in miracles if we give him everything, our money, our profession, our pride, our lust, our gluttony, the seven capitals become seven virtues. And he can work that in us through his grace and our little bit of seeking him. And, uh, you know, I'm just grateful to be with you uh, today because this is what you do over and over and over. And I think you and I share some common, especially a great and holy dad, uh, as well as my mom. Um, what an incredible witness of love. One of the last things I want to talk to you about, uh, Dr. Burkowski, was the medical profession. So many young men and women want still to be doctors, but they feel in our culture today, it's impossible. How do you even get through without being given to abortion, committing it, or, or at least referencing for it or, or referring for it? What's the hope for Catholics or pro-life young people who want to enter or feel called to enter the medical profession? So the hope is is that there are many, many more 
life-affirming Catholic Christian OBGYNs across the country doing various research, doing fertility awareness, doing infertility, doing gynecologic surgery. In our case, it's caring for pregnancy center kids and that environment alongside excellent life-affirming napro technology and the approach to the women's body as a language that we need to educate them on and they need to educate us and by doing good histories and physicals and lab tests and diagnostic differentials you can still be an excellent physician so we now have more above their level they need accompaniment they need to know they're not alone they need to know that there's lawyers who are willing, ready, and able to come alongside them if, they, if their rights to religious freedom are being abused or mocked alongside excellent science that supports our side of the arguments. We now have the American Association of Pro-Life OBGYNs. We have a more robust Catholic Medical Association and Christian Medical and Dental Society. And people are getting sick and tired, slowly but surely, of this sexual revolution because we're now being told to change 11-year-olds' gender sex because they want it. And they say, that's science? As Jerome Lejeune taught me, in the beginning was the genetic code, and the code was in life, and the code was life very similar to the opening of John's gospel. Mm -hmm. Embryology is scientific. Caring for two patients, which is what my book is about, is absolutely excellent medicine. And yet they keep trying to confuse and contort and they then transfer us, oh no, you're the one spreading disinformation. For the last 50 years, we have lived a lie in medicine. We no longer have to do that. We now have witnesses, mentors. We now have the data. And we encourage these young people. If you've been called into OBGYN, John Henry, that is God speaking. Are you going to be disobedient because you're running up into some headwinds through the cancel culture, through the wokeism? through the brutality of abortion. Oh no, yes, it's good to have chemical abortions. They can now do it in their home through telemedicine without even seeing a physician. They can witness and watch the hemorrhaging of the blood and the tissue and the products of conception, which are the placenta and the fetus, fall out in their bed or their hallway or their bathroom floor or their toilet. We are going to see a whole host of people coming back for the care that is going to be needed for the whole anthropological, psychological, medical care of what we call the human person, which is what a woman is. And so, um, no, uh, contact uh, the folks I mentioned, contact us. There is real hope out here because it's time to lean into this. That's the key. All over the world, wherever the Catholic Church has been persecuted, especially, let's say, take for example, England after Henry VIII, what did they do? Priests would go to Douay to learn and then go back. Okay, so we're having a tough time in OBGYN and medicine. As Catholics, we're called to be a part of our culture, to be at the source, to be at that crux. And whenever priests and doctors, souls and bodies, the doctors of souls and bodies come together, pandemics can be faced. <laughs> um, horrors can be overcome. Maybe not on our timetable, but absolutely on his. Because in the end, John Henry, no matter what our life turns out to be, big, little, whatever, if we just, with a heart that is full of love for the Lord, to give him the opportunity to obtain glory through his mercy. 
we can begin to change the culture. That's how it's always been done. Saints in the Catholic tradition have always been a part of the difficult, dark moments in our history, in our world history. And we want to remind each other of that. And so uh, the transformation that occurs happens in the physician uh, first and foremost. We are affected by our community, our friends, our patients, the pain, the joys. It's part of uh, Bill, uh, renewing the Book of Acts, so to speak, having a second Pentecost or a second Advent. Beautiful. Dr. Burkowski, where can people get your book and how can people stay in touch with you? So um, they can stay in touch with us by going to tepiacobgyn.com or better would be divinemercycare.org. They can also get the book through um, twopatients.com or go to Ignatius Press. Um, Ignatius Press uh, published it in November of last year. And uh, it's had some runs and that's good. And uh, it's just, uh, it's been a real blessing, a real challenge It's uh, to, to put it out. Um, but to share this is, I believe, important because if the Lord can reach me with his mercy, it's really a sign of hope for moms and dads and other students and residents and other doctors and physicians and healthcare providers um, that you're never beyond the, the reach of the mercy of God. And it's good for academics and it's also good for your soul. So thank you so Amen. much for having me. God love you. That's it's been a great joy to hear your journey and uh, thank you for sharing. It's um, you're a great witness. Thank you, my friend. God bless you. God bless. And God bless all of you. And we'll see you next time. Hi everyone. This is John Henry Weston. We hope you enjoyed this program to see more like it. Be sure to hit the subscribe button below to get all the latest content from LifeSite News. Check the links in the description to read more and connect with us on social media so that you can stay up to date with all the latest life, family, faith, and freedom news. Thanks for watching and may God bless you.